Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Eminem Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. And today we're going to do our mid-season awards like uh, everyone else feels like they're doing. Um, after we talk about, uh, you know, some news as well. It's been a bit of a slow news week. we got two things to talk about. The first is Ralph Kruger finally got fired by the Buffalo Sabres. Um, honestly, we both just agreed we probably don't need to talk about this one too much just because we've gone over the Sabres quite a bit. Um uh, over the past couple of weeks and just kind of almost laughing at how bad they are. Um, at the time of recording this, they are on a 13-game losing streak, which is uh, all kinds of impressive. They have 16 points in 29 games, which uh, obviously puts them last in the league. Uh, they are crushing even like Ottawa in a tank off or Detroit in a tank off. Um, it's gotten to just like new levels of low, and it's gotten to the point where I don't know if you've put yourself through watching any Buffalo games, Chase, but uh, – They've just completely quit on the on the coach, and I think this firing was definitely going to come at some point this year. But it definitely was one of the things where it's gotten so bad it just had to happen now. Yeah, and it, it just I've watched like probably a combined fifteen minutes of Sabres hockey this year, but just from everything I've read, it looks like this was just this just needed to happen. Yeah, exactly. Like it's just like. The past couple games, especially, you just see clips and there's just guys falling over the ice. And then it literally looks like they've never played hockey or they're in peewee and they're used to just getting their ass kicked like eight nothing every game. It, it was just uh, uh, almost incredible, really. Yeah, like they're defeated before they step on the ice kind of mentality. It looks like they're going on, which I don't blame them because when a team is already this bad and goes on the kind of PDO slump that they went through, God, it's got to be hard on your mind. Oh yeah. When you've been bad for six years and then you get, you know, you had a big off season. There was some hope to at least be a little more competitive again this year and your additions do nothing. Eichel, it's not like they've done nothing. It's just, they haven't been able to score. They've been snake bitten despite having pretty good underlying numbers. Um, and then you just start spiraling and you, they can't get out of it. I'm, I'm honestly interested like uh, in the NHL wins usually just come, but at 13 in a row, when do you think their next, uh, their next win is going to be like they, I mean, I'm going to look at their schedule coming up here now too. They have Boston tomorrow, the Rangers, the Penguins, the Penguins, the Bruins, the Flyers, the Flyers, the Rangers, the Rangers. And then they have a back-to-back against the devils in a couple weeks, but like there's just no real easy out in this division is the other problem for them. Yeah. It's not the, uh, it's not the easiest thing to get out of. I'm sure they'll pump Pittsburgh or something just randomly because hockey seems to work that way. And God, I hope they get, something like it's just they've reached the point where it's just like everybody just seems to be laughing it's not even like pain anymore it's just like yeah of course we're losing every single game oh yeah it's like they're, they're, their fans almost get mad at you when you're not mean enough to them right like yeah it's like no we're, we're not this bad we're way worse than that um uh so it, it's i don't know well quickly just like we've gotten into it the problem is like there's so little to rebuild from like They'll trade Taylor Hall this offseason or this deadline. They'll trade Eric Stahl. Uh, Tobias Reeder might fetch a late pick. Brandon Montour should probably fetch a pick of some kind. But, like, it's almost past that where it's like they really should be looking to sell Colin Miller, Rasmus Ristolainen. If someone wants Victor Olofsson, sell him too. He's 25. If you got to rebuild for two or three more years, um, you know, he's not going to be useful by the time you're good. Um, you know, honestly, and then this offseason, just sell whoever, anyone, anyone wants. Other than, I would say Dylan Cousins maybe. It's and like I'm including Jack Eichel because I think it's to the point where the only way. I mean, obviously it's not ideal, but if you can get even somewhat fair value for Eichel, you might just have to press the restart button and go again. 
Yeah, it's kind of looking that way because at this point, like they're so bad, it's not obvious how they turn it around quickly anyways. And at that point, it's like, well, we've wasted all of Jack Eichel's prime. So maybe you can get something for him. It doesn't look like the worst thing in the world at this point. Yeah, which is honestly insane that we're at this point, even from like a couple months ago where, you know, I think both of you and I would have said there's no way you should be trading Jack Eichel. You know, he's a top 10 centerman, 24 years old with five more years left under contract at a, a reasonable price for what he brings. And, you know, I've almost swung the other way where it's like, I really, I look at this roster. It's like, there's just, there's no help coming. Like, again, they have some okay prospects, but, you know, like Dylan Cousins isn't going to be the absolute savior by himself. Uh, even, you know, Jack Quinn, uh, some people consider that a bit of a reach in the latest draft. So, you know, I, I'm not totally sold on on how that's going to work out. Um, and, and just on the blue line too, it's like Rasmus Dillon, just, you know, how do you expect a guy to develop in this kind of situation, you know, um, you know, Rasmus Rista Linen isn't very good, but you know, Delina has been brutal again this year too. So uh, it's just kind of concerning with like every single pick you've made over the past couple of years, other than Eichel just looks like a disaster. Yeah, like Dalene already looks like he might be a re- reclamation project. If he ends up getting traded, not like a, we're landing a cornerstone defensive piece. Yeah, exactly. So um I guess what I would say is, uh, you know, going forward for these guys, it's like, like, like coming to the deadline, you just got to sell everything possible, right? Yeah. You just got to strip it for parts and hope that that's hope of the team that can't draft drafts, I guess. Yeah. Like, I I guess that's the best answer. And like, it's going to be interesting. Like Kevin Adams has a big job to do in front of him as a rookie GM here. And um, you know, so I I don't know, like, we'll see what they do as a coach. Um, They've also seen seemingly hired every type of coach that you can, you know, Ralph Kruger is more out of the box. Didn't work. Dan Balsma was very in the box. Didn't work. Um, You know, like I'm also curious to see if they go back to that gritty old school kind of coach, or if they stay and try and, you know, but have a, a new style still. Yeah, that'll be kind of interesting. I have seen a couple people be like, LOL, you idiots, you hired a soccer coach. Of course it didn't work out. Meanwhile, people spend have spent the past like decade begging for people to try something new. So seeing people kind of dance on Ralph Kruger's grave has irritated me. Oh yeah. If you're, if you're someone who uh, wants to see uh, complains when the same six coaches get hired over and over again, you can't be uh, com- laughing and saying, wow, you stupid idiots. Why would you ever hire him? I'm, I would have never done that. Like it's, it, it didn't work out. And it's very possible. Ralph Kruger's just not a good NHL coach. And that happens. It doesn't mean you should never hire outside the box ever again, but it just means that this one person wasn't necessarily the greatest fit. Yeah, exactly. This one didn't work out. Maybe, and maybe he would work out. Maybe if the Colorado Avalanche had a hiring tomorrow, he'd make them even better or something. Maybe it just didn't work out in Buffalo, or maybe he is a terrible NHL coach, but it doesn't really say anything about anybody else. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other piece of news we had was uh, something I actually forgot about but until you pointed out, which you could call. Uh, Jordan Bennington signed a new extension, six years, $6 million per, so $36 million, uh, total. A pretty hefty chunk of change for, uh, you know, a goalie, 27 year old goalie. It'll take him till he's, I think, 34. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? So I don't know if this is just like the availability heuristic, but seeing Matt Murray kind of flame out in Ottawa would worry me a little bit about this deal, like seeing his career tank after like promising early a promising run early on, followed by like the Stanley Cup and everything. 
And then it looks like Bennington's kind of petered off since then, even though his like aggregate numbers are still good. I think this is, it's a defensible contract, but it's easy to see how it could fail. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, for any goalie, I don't give six years to any goalie really without it thinking it's going to be a not great contract, especially by the end. Um, You know, right now it's probably fine, but again, to your point over the past three years in 2018, 19, AKA the year they went on that cup run, he had 11.52 goals saved above average, 8.85 above expected last year, 3.25 above average, 4.56 above expected. So good, but a big step down this year, he's at negative 1.82 and negative 4.31. So it's been a constant downward trend as we see a guy leave what is a physical prime, you know? Um, So Maybe you can say that this negative is not who he really is and he might bounce back to, you know, above positive for the next couple of years. But I also wouldn't be shocked if at the 28, 29 and 30 year olds of his career, um, you know, we again, I I feel like we overrate, you know, goaltending peaks and stuff like that just because people don't actually get a chance when they're 24 like Bennington did. Um, But I, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, we've seen the best form of Jordan Bennington. Yeah, like crazier things have happened than an athlete peaking at like 25. Like that's not unreasonable at all. No, absolutely. And just like for St. Louis, I don't know if it really matters. It's kind of one of those deals where um, you're kind of screwed if you do, screwed if you don't. Like where are you finding a better Jordan? Like Vili Huso is supposed to be the future in net or was always supposed to be the future in net for St. Louis. He's 26 years old. So um you know, like he, he's not the future anymore. You know, they, they have some other names, but, um, you know, goaltending so random that it's like you're their team right now and they're struggling this year. And granted, they've been dealing with injuries, but they have a core that is supposed to win now, not in three years or whatever. They're winning now. So uh, I can really see them just not really caring what their cap sheet looks like in four or five years because they're trying to get as much as they can out of this aging core right now. Yeah, basically, you're kind of look at looking at it being like, well, we're just going to run run these guys in until because like Schwartz is 28, Falk's 28, Krug's 29, Tarasenko's 29, O'Reilly's 30. So you're basically like best case scenario, you have three super competitive years left in all of them, which includes this year. And I guess you see if you it's not going to be easy to replace Bennington in that time with a better contract. Like if you are replacing Bennington with a guy with better priors, you're probably just overpaying in free agency, which doesn't look any better than this Bennington deal anyways. So yeah, you're going to get like a Jacob Markstrom type where you give him a six by six as well, except he's two years older than Bennington. Right. So yeah. like it's, I don't know, like, and I would say Markstrom's a better goalie right now than Bennington or especially over the past couple of years. But like at the same time, it's not like he's been drastically better. If you look at like a three-year sample, I don't think. Yeah. Cause um, Bennington had the, really really good uh first year like you said and there is that thing where he's a goalie so chances are he wasn't as good as he was in that first year and he wasn't as bad as he was in the second he's probably just somewhere or and this year i mean but he's probably just somewhere in between yeah for sure and i would agree with that and you know again i just looked at their goal saved above average over the past three years markstrom 13.5 bennington 12.9 so they're almost identical bennington saved way more goals above expected than markstrom but um yeah so I don't know. It's one of those contracts where it's like, I don't love it, but at the same time, I don't really know what they were supposed to do about it either. You know? Yeah. It's kind of a rough spot to be in. And it's not like it's a, it's not like a Brosky contract. It's not like $10 million. Although there is still a sizable amount of risk with a $6 million contract. So I don't love it, but I don't really see an obvious better solution. So it's tough to criticize something when you're like, 
I have no clue what you could have done instead. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. Um, all right, let's get to our awards then. We got a bunch, so we're doing the uh, Hart, Norris, Vesna, Selkie, Calder, Jack Adams, and then we're going to do most improved instead of the Masterton or, you know, bounce back or whatever you want to call it just because, uh, um, you know, I, I the Masterton just kind of feels like you're comparing tragedies, which is never good. You know, like there was people getting legitimately mad that Bobby Ryan beat addiction because Oscar Lindblom didn't win the, the trophy last year from coming back from cancer. It's like, these are both very, you know, sad things that they overcame and those are good stories, but we shouldn't be like arguing which one is sadder or whatever. Um, so we're, we're going to leave that one out. Uh, and then we have the most underrated player uh, right now. Um, we have the biggest uh, addition from the off season and the guy we think that, you know, we weren't really sure uh, the most legit, uh, you know, we weren't really sure, if his results last year, their results last year were sustainable, but this year they look like they are going to be sustainable. And uh, those last couple, we actually stole from the PDO cast and Dmitry Filipovich, who uh, had a really good episode on those as well. So let's get with the normal ones. Uh, the heart trophy, big one to me, this was one of the easier ones for first place, but who, who did you have? I had Connor McDavid. I yeah. didn't think it. I think it's pretty obvious. McDavid's been the best player in the league, the most valuable player in the league. Pretty simple. Yep just about any metric you look at, I think too, like this is right now anyways, like he leads in points by like a lot. Like <laughs> he's like, nine, I think he's nine points up on his teammate as the next guy. And then his not his next non-teammate is Patrick Kane with 42 points. McDavid is 58. Um, and the big thing last year was, uh, you know, that, uh, well, Dreisaitl can't win. He doesn't play defense. Well, McDavid and Dreisaitl are both actually playing just reasonable defense this year. McDavid leads the league in goals above replacement, wins above replacement. Dreisaitl's third, funny enough. Um, I, I think it's McDavid pretty clearly, too. Uh, who did you have as your runner-ups? As my runner-up, and this one's subject to change because he's kind of been in and out of the lineup recently, but I have Austin Matthews still. Yeah, that's fair. I had him uh, fourth or fifth. I had a couple other guys, but um, I think he was right around there. The biggest problem for me with him is just because of how, you know, he's missed a couple games lately and then, you know, he didn't score for five or six. And if you're not scoring, you know, that's kind of what you need to be doing, right? If yeah. you're going to keep up with Although McDavid, he was, I should say. His like, uh, yeah, and he's a clear step behind McDavid, but he's he's been so efficient like his per minute numbers relative to everyone else are pretty ridiculous if you look at his like expected goals above replacement and stuff like yeah, he's just exactly. been ruthlessly efficient he just hasn't stayed in the lineup so it's, I, it's I think there's a good argument for him to be you know right around uh the top five like if you have him outside of the top five i don't really know what you're doing yeah that would be weird there's a couple other guys i could easily see too but i had uh Barkov and you know what? I'm going to wait for my third one. I had Barkov as my two. Um, I think that this is one that I could see falling off uh, as the year goes on. This is kind of more of a midseason one that I did. He's 10th in points right now, tied for tied for eighth actually, but um, you know how like, and, and this will probably give away what I have for a future award, but um, you know how everyone in like the past couple of years was like Barkov's this elite two-way centerman that just like, he doesn't put up as many points, but it's because he's elite defensively. And that was just never really true. He was, fine to below average most years defensively uh this year he has been what people have tried to tout him as over the past like four years it's like if you go and look at his with or without numbers in florida they are like 
They're unreal. With him on the ice, they produce plus 33% in offense. It's all just a big red zone. Without him, it's minus 15%. In the defensive zone, it's minus 26% with him on the ice, without a minus 13. So the the gap is just massive, and he's been one of the most important players on any team. And they're second in the division, and they don't look like they're going anywhere away anytime soon. Yeah, that's totally fair. I had Barkov as the honorable mention. I think yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, so was that your third or did you have a th- another runner up? My three was, I think you were about to say, and for your four is Mark Stone. Oh, no. Okay. So my Mark Stone was up there as well. Uh, I actually have Samuel Gerard as my third. Oh, Gerard's a good one. Um, let's get into you, Mark Stone first, though. I, I think Stone's a good pick as well. Uh, you know, go through that one. Well, Stone's basically just been Mark Stone, like just super productive on offense, good enough defensive numbers. He's just had the puck luck going his way this year where um, he actually has the point totals to put together like a Hart Trophy level campaign. Yep, He's 11th in points right now, 34, again, tied for eighth, you know, with a couple other guys. Um, He's right up there. He was a guy I considered as well. You know, I had on my ballot, I had uh, McDavid, Barkov, Gerard, uh, and then I had Matthews, Stone, uh, and then I had a couple other names as well, like uh, Drysidel. I, I think deserves a little bit of consideration. I don't think he'll win it this year just because of the back-to-back. But um, you know, a guy like Shifley or Ehlers as well, I think should be you know somewhere in consideration too. But um, yeah, I, I think Stones are a, a good option just in terms of he's been one of the best players, especially over the past couple of years. And now it's it's nice to see him get the recognition he deserves. Yeah, exactly. Because it's not like he should need the point totals, but God, if there's ever going to be a time for him to get some love, it's going to be when his point totals are high like this. Exactly. Um, So some people are probably asking why I have Samuel Gerrard so goddamn high. Um, He doesn't, uh, he doesn't flash off with the points or anything like that. I'm not, I'm just trying to figure out where he even is in defensive scoring, but um, that's not the important thing to me. The important thing is, and there's a bit of a trend over a couple of my awards here is, uh, Colorado, especially their blue line, has just been decimated with injuries, like just just destroyed. Gerard currently sits 12th in defenseman points with 22 in 22, uh, or sorry, in 26 uh, games played. Um, but the, the biggest thing is that um, Colorado's underlying metrics have just been unreal this year, and Samuel Gerard has been the biggest driver of that. He ranks second among all defensemen in the Corsi 4 percentage at 618 uh, and expected goals, and this is with about 15 games or more played, I should point out. Um, he ranks fourth in expected goals. Funny enough, in all the top four in all of those are all uh, um, Colorado players, so it kind of tells you how good their team is. But to me, Sam Gerard has been the one that has uh, – you know, kind of been driving that in a weird enough way because Makar has been down with an injury at times this year. And, you know, um, you know, usually you would look at Kale Makar as the guy to be uh, driving that kind of thing, but it's been Sam Gerard has just been unreal this year. Yeah, he's been fantastic. And that whole team has just been like massacring people at five on five, like you said. And it's, it's cool to see Sam Gerard come into his own because it kind of, I don't want to say his development had stalled, but he hadn't really put together like a monstrous five on five season. He just kind of looked flashy and had like average ish results with a good penalty differential. Yeah. People kind of like penciled him in over the past couple of years as, Oh, he's another legit number one. It's like, well, no, he, this results have been more like a two, maybe even a three some years, but this year it's been like unreal out there. And he, you know, he stepped up and um, I, I think it was puck soup. I was listening to his, uh, 
Lambert had the same kind of take where it's like he he uh, stepped into Kale McCarr's role. He's like, no, I'm actually just going to be as good as you would expect Kale McCarr to be in this role anyway. So, and that's the best way I can describe it. Again, one that I could absolutely see subject to change, but if we're doing it at the 50% of this year, I would have Gerard on my ballot. Yeah, that's totally fair. I didn't really think about him, but look, a pretty good argument. It's totally reasonable to have him there. He's been fantastic. Let's go to the Norris Trophy. Guess who I have first? I have a guess. <laughs> it might be the dude who I put third on my heart ballot. I have Sam Gerard right now in the in the Norris lead. Uh, again, pretty much the same reason why. I think there's a couple options you could choose here. Um, that's the one I went with. Um, I will go through my two and three real quick, and then we'll see what you have. I had Jeff Petrie as my number two and Adam Pellick as my number three. Oh, Pellick's a fun one. I had Petrie uh, three. Yeah, that's fair. Um, well, who do you have winning? We'll, we'll go with your winner first, and then we'll go look at the runner-ups. I had Charlie McAvoy winning and Sam Gerrard at two. That's not a bad one. I think McAvoy is a, a pretty good option too. He was fourth on my ballot, um, you know, just when I was going through. Um, Darnell Nurse was actually another guy I looked at. He was shockingly high on like things like goals above replacement and not just points. Um, so he was probably up there too. But I, uh, yeah, take me through um, McAvoy. Yeah, McAvoy's basically just been absolutely killing it at five on five. He sort of struggled to step in on the power play or whatever, but McAvoy on a defense with just absolutely no help has been freaking amazing. Past Magnus some time, whatever the Bruins haven't looked quite so great at five on five, but McAvoy has actually improved as the team looks like they took a slight step back. Yep, that's fair. Um, you know, he's been they really asked him to do, or that, you know, just the, the way they treated the defense this year, they really asked him to take a lot and he's done a very solid job at that so far this season. So, um, you know, it's, it's really good to see. And he's one of my favorite, you know, I think he's one of the more underrated players in the entire league. Uh, if we're being honest, um, uh, you know, uh, so it, it, it's honestly, it's really good to see. Yeah. And he's, he's right up there with Sam Gerrard in terms of, expected goals above replacement if you're not accounting for penalty differentials. So that might be something that I didn't weigh properly because Gerard is killing them in that, and that produces the difference between the two. Yeah. And you know, that's still fair enough. And I think there's a legitimate argument for either one of them to be made. I wouldn't, you know, if, if come the end of the year, this is kind of how it plays out. I wouldn't be mad. Um, I'll go through my Jeff Petrie one real quick. He's third in defensive scoring. Um, obviously that's not what it's all about. That's why I don't have Hedman or, um, uh, Tyson Berry, especially not Tyson Berry on my list, but um, yeah, with uh, Jeff Petrie, I, I thought that, you know, he's been one of the better all round defensemen this year. Um, you know, he's, he's really solid on offense and in penalty, you know, his, his draw and take are both above average. Uh, his defense is slightly below average, but it's enough to give him uh, fifth overall in defensive goals above replacement. And I believe it's his main uh, partner who's third in Joel Edmondson. And uh, to me, that's probably more Petrie's work than anything else. And so that's kind of why I have him up in second. And then uh, Pellick has just been one of the best defensive defensemen in the league. And I think that deserves some recognition as well. Um, you know, he's been great at offense as well. But, you know, the, the New York Islanders team that is just so stingy defense, uh, defensive Lee, I should say, uh, Pellick's been the big leader of, and, you know, without De Devon Taves, who has had another really good this year, uh, season this year, he stepped up and, and kind of taken that role. Yeah. Pellick and, oh God, who's his defense partner been? Um, I could not tell you, to be honest. 
Oh God, I forget his name, but Pelic's been a part of one of the best pairs in the entire league in the Long Island. And it looks like he's the one driving it. Like he's been just absolutely amazing. And then the same thing is true with Petrie where he gets points in my head for what is happening with Joel Edmondson, because there's no way Joel Edmondson's that good on his own. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, you know, it's uh, it's Pulak, by the way. That's I don't know why I can. Ryan Pulak and Adam Pellick, the the, the, the nice uh, the duo. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely agree. Where it's like, uh, you know, I, I think Edmondson has probably been better than expected. But it, to say that he's been the second or third best defenseman this year is uh, obviously just not correct. Yeah, at all. <laughs> like that, just as simple as that, really. Yeah, like no one on earth thinks that. Uh, Edmonton is the one driving the bus there. No, not at all. Um, so I would say, yeah, I would say uh, that, that was my top three. Who did you have third then? Uh, Petrie. And then I have Petrie. an honorable mention oh, to Adam Fox. Okay, yeah, um, that's a fair one too. I, I think Fox has been – I saw a thread saying that Fox can't win the Norris because he's too young still, and I thought that was the stupidest thing I've ever seen. But Yeah, that's impressively stupid. The guy's just been a beast at five on five. He's been the best defenseman. Yeah, and it's funny because, you know, where I think he can improve is probably his offensive game just in terms of, you know, at least goals above replacement. And that seems a lot easier to improve than, you know, the defensive aspect of things. Yeah, and that's been pretty heavily brought down by just, like, his line mates shooting or whatever. Like, he's been an elite play driver. It's just once the pucks start going in the net at the rate of expectations, then all of a sudden people are going to be like, oh, my God, where did Adam Fox come from? Yeah, exactly. So um, that's, that's a good one, too. Uh, let's go to the Vesna. Another pretty easy one for me for first. Uh, I had Vasilevsky. Yep, I had Vasi too. Picked him in fantasy this year in one of our leagues, and he's just been a godsend. Like, he's been amazing this year. Yeah, he's been unreal. He leads in advanced numbers as well. Um, the team's been unreal. They're first in the division again, despite no Kucherov. You know, they've had some injuries of their own. Uh, just the amount of minutes he plays, too. Like, he's just so durable, it feels like. He never really gets hurt. Um, you know, knock up knock on wood, obviously, but you know, it's not like he, he's not a guy where over a full 82, he's only playing 50 games. You go, well, should we give him the Vezna? It's like, no, he put in a solid 60 to, you know, 65 games. He's already at 23 this year. And you know, the, the, the lightning have played 29 games. So, you know, he's only taken six games off so far um, that it just kind of, that I think should lead into obviously not a ton, but at least a little bit. Yeah, exactly. He's not like a rogue, like anti-Ranta, who has like the best um, per shot numbers, but he plays like 29 games or whatever. Like he's been the workhorse. He's been one of, if not the best goalie in the league on a per shot basis too. Like he's just been absolutely amazing. Yep. Totally agree. Um, Second and third and fourth maybe is where it gets a little more interesting. I tried projecting out a little bit too. Uh, I have Demko second right now. He's just the performance he's put on over the past month is the only reason the Vancouver Canucks have crawled their way back into the playoff picture. Uh, he's been just absolutely unreal. They're currently ahead of the Calgary flames, although the flames have three games in hand. So we'll see how that goes, but they're two games. They're two points behind uh, Montreal is four games in hand on them. Um, but they're, they're right back in there, which we could not say two weeks ago, you know, two weeks ago, they had three games in hand on everyone, but they were, um, you know, a solid six, seven, eight points behind even the fifth place team. So, um, you know, Demko has been just absolutely amazing this year as well. Uh, I, that's why I had him second. And then I had Flurry third. Uh, I think there's an argument to make Flurry two, but just with Robin Leonard coming back, I kind of projected a little that he'll probably just lose some starts. So uh, he might take a step back. Yeah, I had the same two flipped. 
I think Flurry's been better thus far. Like you said, would not shock me even remotely if Demko is the better of the two by the end of the year. Yep, absolutely. Um, and then Varlamov is another one I think deserves a little love. Uh, again, it's it's hard to separate him from the system, but he's actually stepped up and been the Islander starter. You know, Sorokin hasn't been – he's been fine, but he hasn't been lights out like people thought he might step in and be. So, um, yeah, Varlamov was my honorable mention as well. Yeah, he's been fantastic. And, yeah, I think he gets knocked down mentally because of that Islander system, as he should yeah. because they are that good defensively, but still. Absolutely, uh, this should be an interesting one. The Selkie Trophy. Who do you have? Um, I have one of the heart candidates. I have, uh, what's his name? Barkov winning. The I also have Barkov winning. You know, he was second on my heart ballot. Uh, this is, again, the biggest reason why right now is just, uh, I, I said his defensive impact, minus 26%. While he's, it's just a big thing of blue when he's on the ice in front of the net. There's a bunch of red out by the point in the least dangerous spots to shoot from. So, um Honestly, yeah, like I think the the Panthers have bought seem to bought into a Joe Quenville system where the whole team is playing reasonably well defensively, but Barkov has been a huge step for that and taking it to the next level. Yeah, exactly. Like he's just been finally as advertised, and it's been a godsend for Florida. Yep, and he has he's one of those guys who he fits in the criteria, the stupid criteria. I don't I don't think you should have to fit into the criteria. I think it should just be if it's defensive forward, it should be defensive forward. But he puts up enough points to be considered a, a like on this award the other way, but I also think it's fair that he wins it too, um, you know, because he is unreal defensively. Yeah, exactly. He's been, it's nice. It's nice to see him be exactly what it was. Yep. Uh, I have another name who hasn't been great offensively this year, and I'm gonna, I'm interested to see if it actually bumps him out of the Selkie race, but Sean Couturier has still been amazing defensively, and I still have him second on my ballot. Yeah, that's fair. It's been kind of back to vintage Couturier. Because he, yep. like he had his offensive breakout or whatever, but he's still been fantastic uh, defensively. Yep. His numbers aren't – yeah, his numbers aren't as aggressive like as Barkov, but minus 9% when he's on the ice. The difference is uh, I think they're, they're minus 10 with him – without him. Um, there's just a lot the, – the difference is the one big thing that, you know, when Katuri is on the ice is the right side of the net. There's just a big shooting spot right where Katuri is skating in the middle of the, the ice is, you know, just completely shut down usually. So uh, – and then with him on offense, it's minus 7 versus minus 18. This team is just devoid of anything offensively. So I, I, I still have Katuri up. I think he's, you know, to me he's a top three guy, but I, I'm interested to see how far he slips if they continue not to put points up. Yeah, I had him just on the outside, although I could easily see Katuria making it in. And I think him not having the point totals is going to kill him for voting this year. Yeah. Uh, who'd you have second? Second, I had a nice little throwback for Sidney Crosby. Yeah, that's fair. Um, he's just it, – it, it feels not pointless to say revival of career at this point because it feels like we've said that so many times with Crosby where it's like, oh, is he starting to crease? And then it's like, no, I'm just going to go post a casual another award-looking season. Yeah, like um, the puck hasn't uh, – he hasn't had like insane puck luck to have the gaudy point totals, but like Sidney Crosby has been exactly what you could reasonably expect from Sidney Crosby on an underlying level. Like he's just driving play at an insane level. He's been a fantastic defensive player, and he's been the guy in Pittsburgh because Malkin had a, had a rough start. So like Crosby's just been steadily being Sidney freaking Crosby, which is awesome to see at his age. Yep. 
Um, this one I'm not quite as confident about, but I wanted to give a nod to the people who just don't score goals, but are actually just unreal defensively, like this uh, um, thing suggests it should be. I have Callie Yankroke as my third. It's a kinky one. He, like he currently leads all forwards in defensive goals above replacement with 3.6. Him and Riley Nash are tied. When you go and look into that on Evolving Hockey, or HockeyViz.com, sorry, um, the, the Nashville defense with Jan Kroak on the ice in 281 minutes, their expected goals against per 60 is 1.67, which is minus 34%. Uh, without him, they're at minus 6%. Um, even offensively, they're at minus 4 versus minus, with him on the ice, minus 11 with them off. Um, but it was just that minus 34% with him off uh, on the ice. Again, I'm not totally sold that it's all Jan Kroak doing that, but um, if we're looking at just defensive impacts, his clearly has a pretty big one. And, you know, again, because I don't, it's not like I have a vote for the Selkie anyways, I would have looked much harder into it, but I wanted to give just at least a shout out to someone who doesn't put up any point totals usually at all, but, um, you know, is just really solid defensively. Yeah, I like that. And admittedly, if we were voting on the Selkie for real, that all we cared about is defense, there would be like a Cali Yarncroke type that should at least be up there if not in the voting every single year. So it'd be cool to see something like that. And in a similar vein, I had a split between Eric Zanek and Marcus Foligno because they're a part of the same line. They both have insane defensive numbers. I just have not watched the Minnesota wild enough to have like a educated opinion on who actually drives it. Yeah. I think that's totally fair. Um, you know, Eric Zanek has been a really, really awesome, um, almost breakout candidate this year, I would say, you know, he's looked good in past years, but I think this year it's really been, you know, I mean, the addition of Kaprasov has just kind of changed that team, but guys like Erickson Eck has helped, have helped them a long way as well. Yeah, exactly. He's been fantastic. And him, him and that fully no line have just been killing teams at five on five. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. The, the Calder trophy then uh, easiest decision for number one, right? Yeah. It's Kaprasov. Yeah. Yeah. It's Kaprasov. And it's not even close. We can get into the debate about whether a guy who's played six years in pro hockey and the KHL should be considered a rookie, like we did with Panarin a couple years ago. But, um, you know, considering this is the criteria, it is Kaprasov. Yeah. Yeah. It's Kazil Kaprasov. We can't, you can argue it shouldn't be the, the way that it is for the rules, but this is how it is. It's Kaprasov. He's the best, most productive rookie in the league. Don't overthink it. Yep, exactly. Uh, who do you have a two and three? Two and two? I had Hoglander. And it's that not feels a bad weird. option. I, I I had him at fifth on mine, so I wasn't sure if he was going to be brought up. He's – it's been a bad rookie class, but he's been good. He's been, like, solid play driving numbers. Like, his underlying numbers are there. He looks fantastic on the ice. Doesn't have like gaudy point totals or anything, but I like Hoglander. Yep, that's fair. Um, I had a bias in mind. I picked him Stutzel. Uh, his underlying numbers are still pretty poor. I'm really not. I don't know. Like, I think you need to consider that. But that being said, he's still second in rookie scoring behind Kaprasov. Um, and a lot of his struggles in the underlying numbers are defensively, which again, I really. I think will improve anyways. And some, some of it, I just don't even know how much is his fault because, you know, it's kind of the classic where um, a couple of the young guys on this team are clearly, especially Stutzel, his line is like, if his, his line's not producing some nights, they're not scoring goals. And so that's why I hit him second. Yeah, that's more than fair. 
And Stizzle kind of gets punished. Um, this is a thing in goals above replacement that a lot of people act like it just isn't there. Where like you get a multiplier based on how many points your team has in the standings. So like if you if an identical player from a hundred point team to a sixty point team, you will if you do everything the exact same, you have a way higher goals above replacement on the hundred point team. And Stuzzle gets punished for that pretty heavily. Yeah, exactly. If you just pull up like the Gar leaderboards or whatever and see him far down. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'd still too. Again, probably a bit of a bias pick, but I think he has been. If you watch him for just a game or two, you'll see just the talent that is raw in there. And you know, some people have been like, "Oh, he's been disappointing this year." It's like, no, he really hasn't. Like, and um, you know, I, I've mentioned a couple times where I don't know if I've seen such a disparity between just you know using my eye test, but then what the numbers tell me when I go look at those. Um, it's just been kind of crazy. That that being said, you know, I saw him too, and then I had to. Um, I, I gotta make sure I know how to pronounce his name correctly because I think I'm gonna screw it up. Not Capo Caco, Capo Kakanin is his name. Oh, right? the goalie. The goalie for the Minnesota Wild. Uh, he's been yeah. unreal this year. He's been one of the, I think he ranks ninth in goal saved above average for all goalies and first for rookies. Um, there was the 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 Chicago guy as well, Lankinen, and Vanacek for the, the Capitals have been, you know, a couple other goalies I considered. But, uh, you know, in my opinion, Capo Kakanin has been the best. So uh, I, I think he deserves, you know, a nod to third place as well. Yeah, that's totally fair. I didn't think about the goalies, although admittedly, in terms of like value added, the goalies should probably be up there. I had Ty Smith three. That's a not bad one too. He was he was another guy I had kind of right on my list there where I, you know, looking through just impact, he's been pretty high up this year. Yeah, because he's got he's got the point totals pretty close to like Tim Stuzzle. Just his uh his underlying numbers look a lot better. And it's not like he's playing on a great team either. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that's a good one too. Um, you know, I, I think the Calder, it's really cool that the Calder has so many, there are a bunch of good rookies this year, even though it wasn't supposed to be like a, a dynamite rookie class or anything, but like Josh Norris is considered a rookie. Uh, I think Batherson's technically considered a rookie. Actually, no, maybe Batherson's not, but you know, there's a, just a ton of young guys. Yeah, hundred percent. And one thing I did kind of want to say for Sens fans is like, Stuzzle's played like 380 minutes. All the people dunking on him being like, LOL, no, he's actually been bad. Like RAPM defensive numbers in 380 minutes can change really, really quickly. Yes. Yeah. Like you know, on, on, on an instant, really. Like it's still such a, I, I think we kind of get caught up in that just, and, and in all the results this year, because it's such a shortened season where it's like, we're halfway through the season. We've been telling ourselves that and there's been so many games, but in reality, if we were, we would be one third, we wouldn't even be close to the trade deadline yet in a normal season. Right. So like we would just be getting to the point where it's like, oh yeah, now you want to start using the data to maybe make some early conclusions. Not like we got to figure out if we're a buyer or a seller at the deadline. Yeah, exactly. And like, like defensive numbers barely mean anything. Actually, that's a little too strong of a statement, but like they don't repeat themselves barely at all over full seasons, Never mind like 400 minutes. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's move on to the uh, the uh, Jack Adams trophy then. Uh, to me, this was a pretty easy one for first, but I, I, I do think there's going to be an argument for a couple guys, and that's fine. I had Barry Trotz as one. Um, I just, yeah, I don't, you don't pretty comfortably. Yeah, like I, I think it'll be much closer because the island, the Panthers are hashtag actually good this year too. Um, but I, we talked <laughs> about this last last week, I believe it was when we recorded about just how. Um, 
we did the the teams most likely to regress upwards and downwards, you know, like, so teams we thought were, you know, going to be obviously just over punching their weight and under punching it. And, you know, when I got to the Islanders, it was a thing where it's like, Oh no, like they actually look like a pretty solid team and that's still kind of what they are. And, and that's why I have Barry Trotz as number one, because I really just, I, again, I don't think that roster is very good yet. They're 11th in Corsi four percentage. Um, they have a 54% expected goals, which puts them fourth in the league and they are second in their division right now, but tied for first. Yeah. Like they've just been amazing. Like there's not really like a break in their armor at any point. Like usually in the previous years, it was like, Oh, they're like a 48% XG team, but like, they just look good based on yeah. everything. There's like, yeah, no talent. exactly. Other than watching them on the ice, I don't, I refuse to, they're new Minnesota for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I, I, I was just saying, yeah, no, no offense to Islanders. I mean, I, I lived through it in 2017. If you're winning, it's fun and that's all that matters. But yeah, like they're a legitimately like underlying good team. And, um, you know, so that, that's, I, I think that's why I have trots right now. Uh, Quentinville was my second. I think that's a fair enough one. I think Quenville's going to get a lot of love because the Panthers were a team we didn't really expect to be good and look actually good. Um, so I, I think he will get a lot of love, but I think to me, he should be a, de- a distant second. Yeah, I have him the same thing. And he seems like the perfect, this team had more points than we forecasted. So their coach must've been great. Although I think Quenville does deserve a bunch of credit there. And we have priors that Quenville's an amazing coach. So it's not like this is some big reveal or anything. Yep. I'm not trying to say he's a bad coach at all. I think, um, you know, um, I just think with Trotz uh, and you don't, you don't want to use past success too much in a one-year thing either, but you know, Trotz has done this for three years now. Um, you know, Quenville's the, the, again, Florida's underlying numbers are solid too. They're seventh and fifth, I think for Corsi four and expected goals, maybe sixth and expected goals. But um, you know, it's just the biggest difference is they're just stop playing their $10 million goaltender and has a guy, a dude named Chris Dreiger, who is uh, um playing unreal for them this year. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think to, to me, the obvious one too is Trot's uh, Q. If you flip them, I'm not going to be stupid or super disappointed, but if you have anyone else in the top two, I'm kind of questioning your logic a little bit. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're pretty clearly there. Although I would hear a Bednar argument. Oh, that's fun. He was my third and I was, I wasn't sure if that was going to be a hot take or not. Yeah, uh, just the way they've been rolling teams over at five on five, and usually you'd penalize someone like him because he's a stacked team, but they've been dealing with so many injuries that I could hear an argument for him. That's why I have him third. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I do still think they have a really good team, but um, yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I have him as a clear number three as well. I was looking through the list, and there's not really anyone outside of these three that I think even deserve a sniff at this award. Like, I thought maybe. You could argue during the Leafs hot streak, maybe like a Sheldon Keefe, but even like the Leafs have gone from a horrible to fine-ish defensive team. Like they still have holes in them. Maybe you could like argue uh, DeBoer in Vegas, but like, I don't think so. Maybe the Minnesota wild coach, I don't even know his name. I guess you could argue him, but like, to me, this is just the most obvious top three. Yeah, I had those top three pretty clearly. I, I gave Sheldon Keefe like an honorable mention. I think he's been good. The Leafs are a dominant XG team which has come with huge defensive improvements, which is, of course, the reason why I gave Keith the shadow, just because they've looked competent defensively. Yeah, I, I think he um, has had a good year for sure. I, I just think that the, what the other three have done have been way more impressive. Oh, yeah. They're, they're the clear three to me as well. And I would say the wild coach probably deserves 
fourth spot more than Keith, maybe too. Yeah, I, I think the wild coach is going to get more love than uh, Ben Narwell this year, to be honest. I can see that because people just look at Colorado's roster on paper and be like, yeah, Bednar doesn't get much credit for that. Yeah. And the wild were supposed to be the classic team where they're not very good. Like, um, you know, coming into the year, I wasn't even sold. They'll be the fourth best team. You know, you were pretty high on them, but I think they've even exceeded your expectations where like they're four points clear of the St. Louis blues with a game in hand for third place right now. There's a very good chance. It's uh, they get, uh, you know, like they're one point shy of the avalanche. They could have home ice in first round one. Oh, yeah, they've been rolling teams over like I could not have seen coming. And they, they even strength, too. It's not even like they're the classic Minnesota Wild where it's like, oh, they have an elite XG and their goals are like a lot lower. But like their XG is just so good that their goal differential is still positive. They're like outperforming that. It's weird. Yeah, it's uh, very strange. Um, OK, let's go to. The uh, the made up awards, I guess we had. So the Masterson Masterton. Instead of that, we had a bounce back or most improved. Um, who do you have on this uh, award? I, I took it as more most improved. I don't know if I did it correctly, but I said more most improved than anything else. I said most improved. I have two more in the theme of the award, and then one kind of outlier. But I started off with Chris Tanev. I think it's been great to see like 2015 Chris Tanev because everybody's pretty sure it wasn't talent that derailed his career. It was injuries. So it's nice to see him near the top of some defensive metrics again. Yep. That's fair. I had him as uh, my number one as well. Yep. It's been great. It's been 2015 Chris Tanev. Fantastic defensively. He still offers nothing offensively, but when you're that good at defense, it doesn't really matter. Yep. Uh, Okay. Who do you have two and three then? Two. I don't know if this is a weird one because he was still like a top, 50 player in the league when he was quote unquote disappointing, but I have Barkov. Yeah. I, I think it's fair. And especially from an analytical standpoint. Yeah. Like seeing Barkov just running people over at five on five, as opposed to what we've gotten used to the past, like three seasons has been one hell of an improvement. Yeah. I, I think that's a, yeah, that's a fair one. I definitely agree where it's like, I think if you said that he's been more improved this year, people are like, yeah, slightly. It's like, no, no, no. Like his underlings are like, where everyone thought he was, you know, last year and two years ago. Yeah. Like he went from like a slightly above league average play driver to like prime Datsuk in a season. Like that's almost unheard of. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And then your third. I had, and we talked about him earlier. I don't know. I doubt he's the one driving this pairing, but (laughs) I'll give him credit for his early season results. Edmondson. Yeah. Yeah, I had him as my – I was almost at him first, and then I put Tanov instead. I had him second. Um, again, I'm, I'm not really sold on, you know, that it's him. But th- that being said, you can't uh, deny the results, and they have been just like 20 times better than I would have ever expected, even if yeah, he's not, you know, the one dra- driving it. Yeah, exactly. Like we, He doesn't look great. We have priors that suggest he isn't great and that his partner is, so it's pretty obvious who's driving the pairing and everything, but like, at some point you just have to look and be like, well, they're out shooting, out chancing, out scoring their opposition dramatically while he's playing, and as best we can adjust for that, he's doing well, so good for him. Yep. Uh, I am my third is Justin Falk. Um, I That's don't know. I, I don't know if it's a hot take or not. He is currently fourth among all defensemen in goals above replacement uh, with eight. He has just been actually like good this year. You know, he's really good offensively. Uh, he stepped into that Petrangelo role, uh, 
Petrangelo role better than I would have expected. Like you kind of think Krug was the guy who was going to do that, but, and you know, I, I'm sure he is still on the power play. I haven't actually like looked too much into it, but just the offensive metrics from bulk have been uh, like surprisingly good. Yeah. And he's taken a step on defense. Uh, Krug's played a lot more on the power play than Falk. I assume that means Krug's the one running the top power play still, but yeah. Yeah. Falk's a good one. Cause he he's sort of like a Barkov style one where I think he had fallen off harder than some people think. Yeah. Like I would have said he's probably closer to a third pair defenseman than a first pair defenseman heading into this year, but his results have suggested that, you know, he's, at least at the very worst of three right now, I think. And then when you have Krug, uh, Perieko and Falk, that's a, that's a good three to have if Falk is going to be producing like this. Yeah, exactly. That's been a godsend for the blues. Cause doesn't he start an eight year deal this year? Yes. Uh, a big, I think like six and a half mil per or something like that. And this is the first year of it. It's crazy. But as me, eight year old, but good for him. <laughs> working yep, out, uh, working out right now, at least. I also want to give an honorable mention. I had Darnell Nurse on my list as well uh, as an honorable mention. Um, again, he's kind, he's kind of the, the same frame of like, maybe if you told that to the average person, they would be like, what? But, um, you know, he's actually been like really strong this year again. Um, you know, for, oh, for the first time, really. Like, yeah, yeah he's got a set, he ranks seventh in the goals above replacement. Uh, he's been really good offensively. Uh, again, some of that's probably just the fact that he's now playing like all of his minutes with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, but uh, you know, he's clearly been pretty good as well. Um, the team is second or third in the division right now. I, I had, excuse me, I haven't even looked. Um, and him and uh, Tyson Berry, he's getting to the point where people are saying Tyson Berry is more important than Ryan Nugent Hopkins to this team. Uh, and I think a lot of that comes from Darnell Nurse and his play as well. Yeah, I completely agree. The one thing that worries me about Nurse's numbers is could we see like 2017 cleft bomb debates where everybody's like, well, his um regression model results look great but then we see over time that maybe the people who thought that those regression models were propped up by Connor mcdavid might end up being right yeah i wouldn't be shocked if um if they you know if they walked away or didn't sign him to a big contract i you know i'm not, I'm not even advocating for that i don't think he's a top 10 defenseman or anything like that but um you know he just had a better year than i was expecting yeah and good for him quick little breakout he's around that age where it's starting to get more unlikely, but it's not completely unreasonable that he just took a step forward too. Uh, yep. I definitely agree. Um, all right. Who, uh, who do you have is underrated? Underrated. Um, I have the reverse Chris Kunitz in his scenario. Um, Chandler Stevenson. He's the center that I'm pretty sure is getting carried by a winger. Yep. Uh, that's uh, that's not a bad one at all. Uh, go through that one. So he's another one, um, like his adjusted results and everything I've seen just look fantastic. Like maybe it's just a chemistry thing. Him and Mark Stone just seem to work, but like whatever it is, he's a guy that most people have probably barely even heard of. And yet he seems to be a part of some of the most productive lines in the entire NHL repetitively. Yep. That's uh that's very fair. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, he's right now he's 10th in goals of replacement for all forwards, which again, like I think you could probably know who is uh, uh, driving that one maybe a little bit more, but uh, still it's very impressive. Yeah. And he's just been, he's kind of done it pretty consistently. I think this is three years now. I don't know if Stone's been in Vegas that long, but basically just been good the whole time. Stone been there. They seem to work together and 
people tend to give like all of the credit to Stone. It's probably more of like a 65, 35 thing. And that 35% that Stevenson likely provides is still super valuable. Yep. Totally agree. Um, mine, I looked at more of just a one-year sample right now. Um, so I, I think if you extend this out a little more, it's maybe not underrated, but I, I think Anze Kopitar has gotten to the point where he's underrated, at least for this season. Um, he is playing very well for an LA team that is not great at all. Like they're, they're closer to the playoff bubble than they should be, but their underlying numbers are like not good at all. But uh, Kopitar is still playing a, a solid two way game. He's 12th. He's tied for eighth in points. He's, he's sitting 12th. Um, he, you know, he's looks pretty good defensively. And I, I feel like just because of the price tag, he got, uh, you know, obviously he was not, I don't even know if he was overrated. He got fairly paid and then, you know, he dropped off for a couple of years, but this year he's looked really good. Like not quite peak Kopitar, but getting back to that level of play. Yeah. It sucked for him. Cause he was like a $15 million player, like literally in today's NHL getting paid like six. And then all of a sudden he was like a six getting paid like 10. So people started to get kind of angry at him and make fun of him or whatever, but now it looks like nice little renaissance for Kopitar. I was going to have him here. I thought I was clever found finding Kopitar. And then I pulled up NHL.com or people started quote tweeting this article where they had him fifth in heart trophy voting this year. And I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe he's not that underrated then. I, I, I'd say I had not heard of that, but that's, I guess it doesn't surprise me just seeing how surprising LA has been, but yeah, they also had Kane first. <laughs> yeah i'm not ready for, and i'm sure some of this probably some people who ask why you know when we're doing the heart where kane was uh kane's been the same thing well, i think he deserves a little more credit maybe but it's been the goaltending that has kind of just carried that team to anywhere where they are that in their division is horrible um but you know he again he kane's a good player he just provides a lot of empty points comparative so it's like I, I, I the best way i can describe it is to me kane is closer to like the 15th to 20th best winger than he is the first and, you know, most people just have him as, like, the first, the, the top winger, right? Like, Yeah, exactly. Because, like, he's one of the ones where he's his goals for has just so grossly outperformed his expected goals for his Corsi for that, like, you just have to give him credit for at this point. But then he's still so bad defensively that a dude with, like, five fewer points can be way more effective than he is. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't have, you know, Patrick Kane, that, that, if anyone's wondering. Um, who was your second for underrated? Uh, I kind of mentioned him earlier, Joel Eriksson-Eck. Yep, that's uh, that's the guy I had as my third, actually. Um, and then, um, yeah, that, that, so you can go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's he's just kind of – I Dom Lushijan gave him some sort of, like, mainstream love, which is great to see. That's kind of how I started to look into it. So it's not like nobody knows that this guy's good, but I'm still not even sure a lot of fancy stats people could like, are would guess that his results have been as good as they are. Like they've just been, like I said, running people over at five on five. Yep. I, I mentioned earlier, you know, the, it's been Kaprasov that's changed that team, but you know, the emergence of Erickson Eck into a legitimate, just like really good player um, has been really helpful. Yeah, exactly. Out of like uh not even top pick either. Yeah, exactly. Like he, he had hype, but it wasn't like a top five or anything like that. Um, my second name I put, again, this is more maybe a one-year thing, but I feel like, you know, he got a lot of hype, got really overrated at first, and now I think he is probably underrated, and that's Clayton Keller. Um, he is one of the few guys who are having an actually good year uh, with the Arizona Coyotes. Um, 
is two-way game. Again, it's really he's become – maybe this is just the system he plays in, but he's become a much better two-way player where it's like he's kind of that two-way guy we thought, but he's been dominant in the offensive zone. It's just the Coyotes suck ass in, in scoring goals, and that's what's held his point totals down. But, like, Keller is – like, when the Coyotes are plus 20% um, in 400 minutes with Keller on the ice, uh, expected goals per 60 of 3.02. Without him, they fall to 1.85, which is minus 26%. So there's a 46% jump with and without him on the ice offensively. Yeah, it's a good one. It's He's got, like, the, the Barkov thing where everybody's like, oh, well, he plays in Florida, so that must mean he's underrated. But when everybody says that about Barkov, it stops being true. But, like, you just don't hear anything about the Coyotes ever. Yep, absolutely. Um, like, it's just, I'm like, they're rightfully, like, I haven't tuned into a single Coyotes game this year, but, you know, I, I was almost surprised when I was looking through this list to see how good Keller had been. Um, so, you know, that's why I would put him on my list just right now. Uh, if anyone's wondering for his point totals, he's got 22 points in 30 games. So it's not like he's not producing or anything like that. But honestly, like, he's been so good. It feels like if you plugged him into, like, a Tampa Bay system or, um, you know, even even just like Minnesota or something like that, he would probably be point per game this year. Yeah, I could 100% see that. If you just gave him somebody around him. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the other name I had on my list, but I, I'm not sure if he's on. I, I think he's still underrated in the sense that people don't understand quite how good he is, but that he is good. Um, that's Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, he's just been kind of one of the more perennial underrated guys. He's uh, 14th in points this year, and I, I feel like he is getting more love now, though. Yeah, we'll talk about him. I had him for a, a second one. He's been fantastic. Like, I had him in, like, that William Nylander tier when we did wingers. Like, he might be the best winger in the Canadian division. Like, he's shown that he's he's that good. He currently leads uh, he, he currently leads all wingers in goals above replacement. He's third um, total, uh, you know, for forwards in the league. Uh, yeah, like, he's uh, – He's been slightly better than Mitch Marner in terms of an all-round game this year. I think you could still make the argument on Marner's better, but like that's like how good he's been. And so I, I feel like no one really realizes that because they still look at like the Shifleys and the Kyle like Kyle Connor. It gets a huge amount of love from mainstream media, but no one really, you know, they they mention Ehler sometimes. He's getting more love, but sometimes I don't think it's still quite as aggressive as it uh, might be. Yeah, exactly. And pe- people love the Jets for some reason. And for Ehlers never gets any of it. Yeah, like Blake oh, Wheeler's another one. They love all the Jets uh, players that aren't actually great at five on five. Yeah, I will say other than nerds. Nerds do love Nikolai Ehlers. Yes, yeah. Um, all right, biggest addition in the offseason. Um, I have one that I think is pro- – I, I have one that I find fun and then two that are just kind of obvious. And I, yeah, I don't I, really have a number one for any of these. Yeah, I have two that worked out well, and then one fun one as well. All right, uh, let's give your two workout well ones then. Um, we kind of dumped on this signing, and I still stand by it because it was more of a long-term thing, although I didn't expect it to work out this well in the short run. Uh, Jake Allen. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. That, that, I, I didn't even really think. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. He's um, been a really good goalie, and – that's basically, and he's taken some of the workload off Carey Price, and that's exactly what they asked him to do. And he's been a good goalie for how much they're paying him. Yeah, exactly. That's it's uh, totally fair. Um, you know, I I'm going to say you dumped on the signing. Let's, let's yeah, put it I that hate- way. You hated the signing. I said I can see their logic behind it. I wouldn't. I don't really agree totally, but I did not dump on the signing. I, I'm going to defend myself there. But I um, hated it. I thought it was really <laughs> stupid. 
but I no, I, I mean, but, but like if, if he plays at even part of this value for 2.8, I think it's good value going forward, but it's just how much you're spending on your starter. But um, yeah, no, that, that's, that's a very good one. I think he's been huge, especially because price has continued to struggle this year. Like it's not like the rest is clear. I mean, he's been better over the past week or two, but for the start of the year, it was pretty clear. The rest wasn't helping carry price just become an unreal goaltender again. Yeah. It's not like it was magic. It's like, Oh, maybe the guy who hasn't been great over his past 8,000 shots just isn't that great. Yeah. Um, I had one on the same team, not the same guy. Tyler Toffoli was mine. Um, oh, that's a good one. I kind of forgot about Tyler Toffoli, but I should have had him. Maybe I should put the caveat that it's just against his former team because I think he just still has like 95% of his goals against his former team this year um, in Vancouver. But the dude's got 18 goals in 29 games right now. He's only got nine assists. Like I'm pretty sure he's on a – insane shooting bender but anytime you can add 18 goals for nothing but four million dollars in cap space that's a pretty good addition in you know 29 games like uh, i'm not going to complain with that and in classic tyler to fully form he's been a great like two-way forward like he has there's good defensive results when he's on the ice too yeah exactly um so that was my one and then my other one was devon taves um pretty well, i didn't think about Trade angle. I was more free agents, but Taze I I almost forgot it, but I guess I was like, he is technically an off-season addition from a trade. Um, just again, like unreal possession metrics. It's been good to have him because that defense core has just been absolutely shelled this year um, at, at times. So um, it's been, and he's one of the reasons I think they should be a cup favorite going forward because they have him, Makar, Gerard, uh, Bowen Byram. Like they just have a riches in defense, and he's a big part of that. Yeah, he's been absolutely amazing, and it's it's good to see. That was a thing we were super super high on, and it's it's always nice to be vindicated there. Yep. Uh, who's your second actual one, or you know, just like one that worked out? Uh, this might be a homer pick because he's basically provided exactly what was expected. It's not like it's been something crazy, but TJ Brody. That's fair. He was going to be on my list until I remembered Devon Taves. Yeah, Taze is a better pick. I was doing more. I just looked at free agents, to be yep. perfectly honest. But yeah, Brody was idea. advertised as the perfect two-way defenseman to come in and help stabilize the Leafs decor, and he's done exactly that. Yep. I think um, – I, I totally agree. Like, he's just been a nice addition. I mean, the the breakout of Justin Hall into, like, a legitimate top four guy has been nice to see, too, because so far it's given them, like, four just actual, like, top four defensemen, which they haven't had in a very long time. Yeah, they, they finally have everybody playing in a role or even slightly above what they're capable of on defense. Yeah, exactly. So um, it, it's good luck. I would I think you could make the argument even for like a Chris Tanev as well in Calgary. Granted, that contract, I think I like I dislike a lot more than the uh, Brody one. But yeah, I could see Tanev. As long as you're talking purely this year, Tanev would make a lot of sense as well. Yeah, that's what I mean. Um, my fun one was uh, again maybe a bit of a homer pick here, but I had Artem Zub. Um, oh damn it, I had Zub as well. I kind of thought when you said you're, I'm gonna like it, that might be the guy you, you were looking at as well. Um, yeah, so I, I had him written down as just um one. If if anyone's asking who, I don't blame you. Artem Zub was a Russian free agent that Ottawa brought over this year. He didn't even get to dress in their first like eight games. They just didn't want to use him for whatever reason. And since then, he has been unreal like he even playing 24 games which is five less than just about anyone else on the list he is ranked sixth in uh goal, goals above replacement for defensemen he's been just a stabilizing force for the non-shabbat pair like to where the point where like 
anyone who plays with him looks good, including like Mike Riley, um, uh, even Braden Coburn. I mean, I'm not going to say Braden Coburn looks good. He doesn't look absolutely atrocious at times. You know, Will Lannon's look better with him. Um, anyone who plays with him looks good. And I really want to see them give him a shot with uh, Shabbat because Shabbat has just been asked to do way too much this year and it's clearly wearing on him. But uh, yeah, Artem Zub has been my pick for the, the fun one. I don't really, you can rank these however you want. I think if if I had to rank them, it'd probably be Taves to Holy Zub, but I just kind of wrote them all down. Yeah, I, I like Zub a lot. I barely heard of him. I've watched him play and still barely even heard of him. But, yeah, he's been a happy surprise for Ottawa this year. Yep. And he just – he's nice because he doesn't do – like, he's just kind of like what – you know, you talked about TJ Brody. You're just a nice two-way forward. Right? It's not like he's super flashy or anything. But And that's kind of what Zub does too. It's just they finally have – like, they're, the biggest problem they've had for half a decade is no one on the right side can – can break the puck out and maybe honestly for more than half a decade you know Mathot was the closest thing they had to that for a long time but like this year they were running good Branton like Coburn um uh Zaitsev's on the right side obviously uh you know they're just running absolute plugs on the right side and to have Zoops up in and just be a guy who can move the puck reasonably is so nice yeah, like he's perfect and nice and quiet. Like I said, I watched him play and still had to figure out who he was. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so it's like that's kind of the style he plays, right? But it's uh, it's a nice change. Yeah, and it's nice, nice forgettable defenseman. There's a ton of value in that. Good for him. I always like it when these random free agent signings work out. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, let's go to the legit. I only had two names for this. I think you already mentioned the one. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers is someone that I had under like proving that he's legit. Um, he's almost taken a step up from what I expected, but like he's proving that he is le- like legitimately like a top 10 winger in the league. Yeah. I had a same idea. Like we already knew Eric's or Ehlers was good. You shouldn't get points for knowing that Ehlers was good because it was very obvious he was good, but he's proving he's on like another level. Yeah. He's proving he's much closer to Mitch Marner than like Nylander. And again, I don't mean that as like a, a diss at Nylander, but Nylander's closer to 15th to 20th in wingers and Mitch Marner's probably closer to top five. Like, Yeah, exactly. Like he's just been, yeah, well, like we said, maybe the best winger in the Canadian division. Like he's just, he's always been awesome and it's been great to see because he's a very yeah. fun player to watch. I have one that I think you're going to like, um, Oliver Bjorkstrand. I like Bjorkstrand as a pick. I've been super yeah. on him forever. Yeah, I know you have. And this is the year where it's like he, you know, last year he had 36 points, 49 games. He was kind of starting to break out, but it was that the shortened season. He was injured for a little bit. This year he's got 26 points in 31 games. Um, you know, so he's getting close to that point per game place. He's just a, a solid player who puts up great results no matter what he does, uh, you know, all around the ice. Um, and he's kind of showing that, you know, he's finally getting the scoring touch and, and showing that he is, you know, a, a top you know, not an elite, elite player, but a, a very, very solid player, which I don't think most people would uh, would call. Yeah, he'd be a good one for underrated because of the whole Columbus thing. He doesn't have the gaudy point totals or whatever. I like Bjorkstrand a lot, and it's been it's been great to see him do fantastic. Yep. Uh, who do you have as a second? Um, I actually had Ehlers second, but I had Erickson Eck first. Uh, that's fair. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, same kind okay. of reason we talked about earlier, like, I, I would say like Erickson X even surprised me and that taking a step forward this year too, almost like Ehlers. Yeah. Oh, he's taken a big step forward, but that, the Felino line with him was great last year too. And that was always something that kind of looked weird to me, but they're doing it again. So I guess they're showing that they are legitimately that good together. 
Absolutely. I'll, I'll cheat and I'll throw the third in. The, you know, the, it was the example of the category I gave you, but Chris Dreiger, I think, is another name that is showing that he's a legitimate NHL goalie. Probably not a top five goalie, like some of the metrics have suggested at times, but he is proving that at the very worst, he is probably a good backup, and I think he's going to get a, a decent payday this offseason by someone. Yeah, he's the perfect guy to name this award after. I went similar vein in net. I went with Thatcher Demko. Yep, that's a good one. That's a very good one. Um, you know, they're... They let Markstrom walk, obviously, because they believed what they had in Demko. Demko didn't look great to start the year, but he's been just lights out lately. Yeah, exactly. And he's obviously that um, that series set expectations pretty high, but he's actually like lived up to them, basically. Yeah, I mean, if you look, yeah, especially if you look at it over like a full season view so far. So yeah, that's a, that's a very good pick as well. Um, yeah, that's about it. That's all we have. Uh, let me let us know what you guys think of our awards, who you would have had, who were stupid for having or forgetting. Um, I'm sure there's, as always, there's probably one just stupid, obvious candidate or something that we didn't have. Um, it's always the worst just listening to a podcast when there's somebody who's so obvious and they both completely forget about him. Absolutely. I, I'm sure people are going to be asking about like Victor Hedman or something like that. I didn't have Victor Hedman on my Norris ballot just because, you know, I think he's just outside. Uh, you know, he hasn't been amazing at five on five. He's been good, but not like Victor Hedman level good. Um, and honestly, uh, you know, I think it was Wyshynski who said on the Puck Soup podcast that um, there, there, there's a big thing about like Hedman just, Hedman just kind of saves himself for, when they actually need him in the playoffs. And that's very fair, but I still don't think that means he deserves Norris talk right now. Yeah. To have Victor Hedman in the Norris talk right now, you have to basically implicitly be arguing that you believe defensemen are purely responsible for their shooting percent on ice shooting percentages in small samples, which is ridiculous because Hedman's underlying numbers have not been fantastic. And if he is saving himself, that's probably the intelligent thing to do, but it still just means that he hasn't been like a God at five on five or even on the power play this year. Yep. Absolutely. Um, as always, you can find my work at last word hockey.com. Same with Chase's work. Uh, I'm hoping to get some stuff going in the next week or so, uh, you know, maybe this weekend uh, you can find my work at mile high hockey as well. I had a piece out, um, this past week, or maybe maybe it was a week and a half ago already, I'm going to do another piece on why uh, I think Ryan Dezingle could be a fit uh, for a deadline ad for the Colorado Avalanche. So go check that out. Um, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and stuff. Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. Uh, as always, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, if you... Uh, Want to hear anyone on the on the podcast? Just let us know because we don't. Again, we're we're looking for guests. We're we're hoping to have a guest on next week. I was going to get one this week, and then I had some computer issues, so that kind of took away from that. But uh, yeah, thank you everyone for listening. We'll talk to you all next week.